everybody, and welcome back to Writing the Rapids, the show where I, Joe Balecki, talk to writers about writing. Very often, those writers have been recommended to me by writers who have previously been on the show, or it's a rejoinder episode, which this is. Today, we're rejoined by Garrett Strickland, who is a writer and artist currently based in the Midwestern United States. He's the co-director of Drome Dairy Studios and production in St. Paul, Minnesota. Before we get into my conversation with Garrett, let's talk about how you can support the show. It's a little bit different. We're down to one tier on Patreon because it's less confusing. For two bucks a month, you can help me out. That's it. You get episodes a little bit early. Maybe some new things I'm doing this year or hope to do this year, you'll get a little bit early too. Maybe you'll get a little bit of insight. At the very least, you'll get episodes early. You can also look for my book. It's called Tired. It's on Amazon. And that's it. Let's get on with the show. So, Garrett, you wrote a book what doesn't have no words in it. (laughs) Yeah. How come? (laughs) Well, it started as a kind of tribute and celebration. And I found that in trying to write about what I was trying to write about, um, it didn't feel alive enough. I mean, the sort of words on a page thing that didn't really have this sort of dynam you know it wasn't very dynamic and it wasn't uh i'm always kind of striving for this encounter that the audience has with the book object to feel as alive as possible so um it seemed and you know i've had my visual art practice for a long time And I knew that I wanted to incorporate that. I knew that I wanted it to be in color. Um, And honestly, I just, you know, I had a nervous breakdown around the time that I was working on it. And uh, I realized I had to drastically rethink what I wanted the book to be. Um, So... It was always going to have visual elements, mm-hmm. but I, um, part of me felt like it was kind of a punk thing for me to do <laughs> in, a, in a way, like where it was just like, fuck it, I'm not going to put any words in it. Um, I mean, there are words in it, but mm-hmm. mostly just the section titles and, um, and there's a QR code that links to a website at the end of the book where I have, I will continue to roll out um, tracks of me singing. So the text, you know, there is text, but to that extent, it's like, you know, it's invisible. It's got living breath behind it. It um, seemed to bits with the, the idea that this is a ever-expanding horizon um, that the book is trying to present and 
that it would continue to have a life beyond its publication um, in a way that I can continually be working with. Um, and the visual elements are also, I mean, I, I really like the idea that all of the work that I do is gestural in some way. Um, and I feel like that materializes uh, in a way that I like with this book. Because Angula, my previous book, talked a lot about mark making mm -hmm. um, and sort of the philosophy of art making, uh, of mark making. Um, and so in a way, a place beyond sort of fulfills that book's thesis, I think. Yeah. I, and the, then thinking about like scrims as well, your, your work has, it occurs to me now has always been a sort of like post hypertextual, um, sort of thing and portology and, and that that sort of thing the idea that like things are intertwining and interweaving and i it does it does sort of not surprise me that somebody in my uh milieu would uh eventually put out something that is asemic right like Somebody was going to do it. I, th I think um, William Watson said that he was going to do something like that, too, because um, his books are have large visual components as well um, in a different direction than yours, to be sure. Um, but there's something about the, the looping um, that happens between artistic forms that is interesting to me. Um, you know, like poetry being kind of a precursor to music and then music going back into poetry and then poets adding in instruments and then you have bands like uh the listener i think they're called and um yeah you know is is it it feels logical that this would have happened um, and I, you know, I've been aware of your, your visual stuff for a while too, following you on Instagram and stuff like that. I'm, I'm curious about, um, the method you use, um, cause the, there's like, um, a consistency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that when I first started doing visual art, I, it, it was very transparently um, like for me, I was like, Oh, I just want to get used to making marks mm -hmm. like, I, I, like affecting the world and my environment around me and sort of participating in that. And um, more and more I've looked to the origins of art, um, humans making art. And, you know, there's an extent to which the most complex uh, 
quantum mathematical like mathematical formula uh is still just a bison on a cave wall um that that playing field is leveled um whether we like it or not and you can kind of elevate what you're doing to some other place that maybe isn't as you know uh atavistic or primordial and its impulses um maybe atavistic isn't the word but i think that um i wanted to the the way that it comes out of me the the sort of mark making and the, the visual art is pretty automatic um i try to not use my brain <laughs> i mean it, it's it's happening right you know whether you're like oh i'm going to use my brain right now like you know yeah there's something that i wanted to shut off with it you know if i'm involved in that kind of creative pursuit um and that's you know i've been interested in trance states for a long time too so it's just a kind of way of folding all those things mm -hmm. together yeah we talked a, a decent amount in our first recorded conversation about like western esotericism um i think you're the person i can credit with turning me on to the schwepp podcast oh good um and so I kind of assumed that there was like that element to it when I first, you know, followed you on, on Instagram afterward. Um, but it is interesting to me as I was reading through it, thinking about my flirtations with automatic writing or, or like deliberately asemic writing, um, how much more like geometric mine is and how mine still very much kind of like follows left to right top to bottom sort of thing um mm -hmm. and you know i think one of the the aspects of my personality i think that i talk about with with my friends and my my wife a lot is the like inability to, to turn things off in my my biggest um frustration is that i can't like become obsessive about something um because something else is always coming along um which is like why writing novels is so hard for me even though i want to like primarily be a novelist it's just like the amount of time it takes to to create a novel um my brain like can't devote that much time to one idea um yeah but I suppose it also, you know, maybe maybe me classifying um, this book as purely asemic writing is, like, not necessarily 100% correct. Well, it's a strongly collaborative book. I gave Mike Correo hundreds and hundreds of images to work with, mm -hmm. and um, most of the line work... Uh, I was like, here, take this, 
vectorize it and do whatever you want with it. Mm. Uh, so change the orientation, change the scale, change the color, you know, um, at some point handing over the images, you know, it ceased to be my, you know, I got to, you know, give, I was like, Oh, I like this or I don't like this or whatever, kind of make directorial decisions mm -hmm. after that. But my involvement with it ceased at, at some point. Um, mm -hmm. Which was nice, but it was also hard. Like re relinquishing control is always a difficult thing. So, um, but it was something that I was glad that I did and that that's part of the creative process of this book, you know, because I think it's easy to despair in the face of uh, having to deliver something that way you know, mm -hmm. and not having final cut, so to speak. Um, you spend all your time with this work and, or just with information in general. And then it's, uh, if it feels like it ceases to be yours, then sometimes that can be painful but i think that being willful about it um changes it so i i knew that uh just by virtue of the title of the book a place beyond that it was going to continue to have this kind of life and that was just another stage and it, it's production you know um easy for me to easier for me to feel like it has an integrity of its own outside of my making for that reason you know yeah do you feel like this process has had you come away um either like refreshed or re-energized or re-inspired um about literature in general yeah um i think that i i have a lot of ideas for a lot of different kinds of things um i know that i initially put a lot of pressure on myself with this book uh and that was part of the reason that it was sort of a difficult thing to navigate or the fact that it changed in my mind so dramatically um but it's one of those things where now that it is an object i you know i'm always glad to move on to the next thing i guess because mm -hmm. it's um not because i'm fickle but just because things take so long you know, like I feel like the way that we interact with the world has sped up so much and everything is accelerating all the time. And then and then you make something and then like, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, you look at interviews with anybody and it's like, so what's next? 
you know and it's almost like the the uh the thing doesn't count for anything except you know it being a way station from one thing to the next and you know the body of work that an artist makes is fascinating and i like reading across you know various works that way so i understand being interested in what's next but i think that there's just a lot of pressure to always be producing mm -hmm. and you know and i put that pressure on myself too and then i can get sort of depressed if things aren't moving at the speed that i want them to um but nothing does really so i just kind of tried to embrace the idea of slow time as being <laughs> baked into the stuff that i'm making mm. uh but at the same time, I'm like, all right, I'm really excited for this next thing that I'm going to do. And then hopefully that'll go a little bit faster because I think I would be happier if I didn't have to like, this was something that I lived with for so long, you know, um, that it's not like, uh, oh, great. Like, you know, I've I think that any any of the you know with Angula or any of the other stuff, I feel like it's something that I continue to live alongside, because like I said, of its the integrity that it has to itself. Um, but you know, I've only made two, uh, not only, but I've made two books so far, and each of them arrived surrounded by cataclysm it mm. seems like um but i think maybe the idea of a catalyst uh you can either be afraid of something like that or you can embrace it and i think that you know ungula is a very negative book <laughs> um like i mean it's uh it's outlook isn't rosy mm -hmm. um, but it's it's still a lot of fun um, and I encourage people to look at it but it's also like I wanted to strip away all the dark elements from this new book and uh, which is harder than it seems like it would be you know yeah. that's interesting to me there there were certain parts of it that that felt um you know like purely beautiful like like hard to hard to look at it and feel something negative um but in the there's there's spreads that are sort of gradiated and wavy mm -hmm. um that remind me like specifically of the portrait Kay Sage did after her husband died um i think it i like it's got to just be that like um uh, the color palette and and the sort of like fragmented post cubist um sort of gradient texture um but i you know i think even even then like it didn't feel cynical right like yeah n negative feelings have have a lot of different flavors to them that um 
you know don't don't always get the the benefit of being parsed as, as well as they could be so like um i also wonder too this is like psychoanalysis beyond what i'm i'm ever going to be capable of but like i just i want <laughs> i wonder if like the unknown um if like if if mystery right because a place beyond like it's because there are so few legible words in the book you know is is kind of there in in your mind as as you're reading through it i just you know lovecraft said like the unknown is the most horrifying thing and stuff and i i wonder if just that sort of like you know if if being beyond is uh easy to make inherently uh uncomfortable rather than like exhilarating the more i talk through it the more obvious it sounds so so this is not psychoanalysis beyond what i can do i think this is actually pretty pretty easy but but yeah i don't know yeah i mean i think that you know i'm not a big fan of specificity (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and i the idea that uh the title like a place beyond a place beyond what well you know that there are any number of things that you can think of and associate with a title like that um and i you know when i started on it i thought that it referred to something very like it had more of a specific emotional meaning for me at its beginning than it did at the end so and it's it continues to change that way too but um i think you know and case age is a big influence um and one thing that i've always liked about most of her paintings is that the vanishing point is really far in the horizon um, with much of her work. Mm -hmm. And um, she plays with scale a lot. And I, she also has, you know, a lot of her paintings have these structures that look like they were abandoned in mid-construction there are no people around so the fact that there aren't really any identifiable like figures uh in the book um in a way makes you feel more present like you you are what figure exists in the context that the book presents rather than it being like oh here's a here's a man or something you know mm-hmm. um and i think that the fact that case age's worlds are empty of people but what you assume would be the efforts of human uh construction are what remains and they're finished so also just the idea of looking at a finished painting of something that is unfinished is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
and we've talked before about the role of the audience as co-author and i think that the gaze of the reader in this case um finishes the work or continues to unfold it in a way that i'm really pleased with in terms of you know having written about that before and being able to demonstrate it in a more concrete way has been really fu fulfilling you know yeah that's another point I, I wanted to bring up especially as you were talking about like the amount of time from conception to finished product that books take can can take tend to take um is that your work feels like it really invites the reader to engage in that duration um with the qr code at the end you know that that will live on for for who knows how long and, and be added to for who knows how long um and you know just the the idea that you mentioned to me in an email after our first episode that ungula has portals in it and and tunnels um that like i you know i i appreciate that about your work and i think that's one of the things that i kind of appreciate um about surrealist paintings too is that like they're really inviting you to explore what is there um beyond just kind of like you know pointing at it and being like oh yes the lighting on the subject's face is masterfully done <laughs> yeah <laughs> great job you know you, you you've taken something expressible and you've expressed it very well congratulations um you know the one of the draws of the surreal i think for me um is that like it is up to you to try to parse what's going on um and to that point too there's there's spreads that feel very jackson pollock-esque or at least like early jackson pollock like pre-drip painting um mm -hmm. too or like you know be, because of the amount of of writing that's on the page it creates a depth and then they're like interacting with each other too yeah i was really pleased with the way um mike sort of fit the elements together because we had talked about that you know we didn't want it to just be like an art book like you would ordinarily encounter that it was something that still needed to be you still had to have the feeling of reading it um rather than just like oh here's a picture book mm -hmm. you know um and i think that the sort of way that he was able to make that work was um was it turned out great and i was excited uh when I when I saw that, um, whereas the elements that I turned in were all discrete, you know, so you're not really sure what's going to happen. You're like, well, obviously there's a continuity 
because I made all this stuff <laughs> and it happened in some kind of order, but I don't know, you know, they're not dated, not, you know, any of the pieces. So it's just more like, oh, I have all this stuff, you know, I have all this work and I know that it serves a purpose, but um, the mystery of it is as present to me as it would be to anybody else. Right. Um, and then especially since you're handing it off to another person to do something with, right? Um, like it's already kind of an automatic thing you're doing and then you're you're giving up agency at like several stages before it even gets to the reader and, you know, in the age of death of the author, um, you know, however much agency any of us have over our own work once other people are reading it is, you know, very little anyway. So, so that's interesting that like, you know, one of the things we're beyond is like beyond our own ability to to have any sort of control over what's happening yeah i was just thinking the other day like what if agency like the very notion of agency was you know uh, was demiurgic <laughs> like the like agency is the the blind idiot god or something mm. that um we cling to it so much and we hate the idea of not having it, you know, and most people do act blindly in the way that they pursue their own agency. Um, and I think it often can be very damaging. You would think that like, you know, at least to like anything that you're clinging to that tightly is probably going to harm you in, in some way um, in the long run. So I think that the sort of relenting and relinquishing is important in the realization of good work. Um, you can point to, a, you know, I think that like craftsmanship people are like, I'm not a technician, you know, mm -hmm. like I, and I am fine with it. Most of the work that I like in any form is not made by, I mean, there's something expert in knowing oneself, you know, enough mm -hmm. to be like, here, I executed this thing. And that's maybe more important to me than like, like you were saying, like, oh, you really reproduced photorealistic light on in this person's face or something like that you know first of all if you're reading a book like that's not what it is it's words you know like uh most of the time mm -hmm. you're not and then yeah it's fulfilling to have that kind of like i'm using my imagination to picture this thing and this person is obviously really talented at describing it in order to get me to visualize it but that's too much mediation for me. <laughs> I, I, it's not very interesting to me anymore. And I think in visual work and audio work, you know, it's more immediately affecting 
everybody likes music, you know, uh, and part of what makes it enjoyable is that it can feel passive. Um, you know, the same thing with podcasts or that kind of thing. I think that people often with reading have this, you know, people who like to read, like to read, but people who don't are like, Oh, this is work. You know, like I, I pick this thing up and then I have to bring all, I have to bring my game to it. And then it's intimidating to people, you know? And I think that even though obviously the way the things that I've made are challenging, I don't want them to feel like a chore to anybody, you know? Um, I, I want delight to figure in to what I'm doing, um, both as a maker and as somebody who consumes media. Um, and it feels like that kind of, you know, I want to be generous in the way that I'm executing something where I'm not alienating anybody. It's not like, oh, haha, I'll, I'll publish a book that doesn't have any words in it and everybody will be confused by it. That's not really the, the idea, you know? Um, I actually want, want to strip away confusion. I feel like there's a way that encountering this work is like, you can like the colors on this page and there isn't anything else that you need to do, you know? You can just appreciate it. Um, and just like a part of my brain shutting off to make it, um, you can also have that experience with it. Thank you.